on Christian baptism. What, what do you think um, our pastor's goal is uh, for us as listeners in this discussion? At, at the simplest I could say for you is to be baptized, each of you. If you're an adult here and you've lived life in the church and, and you've failed to, to be baptized because, I don't know, it wasn't convenient or it, the case didn't seem to be made as to its necessity for my life and time got away from me and life moved on and life in the church and I just continued to move forward with the church yet to, yet to have been baptized as an adult, I urge you, please... If that was the only way to move the needle, be baptized. I, I wish you to appreciate the promise held out to you in the waters of baptism. And that, that's not something to take lightly or something to just be amiss in your schedule or to be now too awkward as an adult to come. It, 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 it mustn't be. If that's what I could urge any adult here who, who is yet to be a member in good standing at Redeemer, but participates at worship regularly with Redeemer, I urge you, please, be baptized. Also, in related to that, is the case that I'm making from these baptismal texts in relation to the question of how does this text correspond to Noah. I am trying to urge you as well. Be baptized, for this is for you and your children after you. I'm urging you to consider the case for covenant baptism. I wish to urge you to lay it to conscience, to meditate on this text, and consider if it is indeed a promise in the waters of baptism that is held out to me and to my children with me. And if the answer is, I am not so certain that it is, then I urge you to say to self, self, how does baptism correspond to the Noahic event? And on how many layers and in how many ways so that I can be sure not to refute or to simply receive, but to appreciate Christian baptism. Evangelicals have come to depreciate baptism and the Lord's Supper. Merely pieces and parts of a moving church, but not sacraments and means of grace for nourishment. This, this, is, this is very vanilla in the evangelical church. I wish it not to be so here at Redeemer. And I trust you do as well. You wish it to be different because you know if there are two sacraments and two sacraments alone that are held out to me as a pilgrim, then that must mean something. And, and, and if they are given to me by my Lord, that must mean something. And I as a pilgrim want to know what does it indeed mean. So this morning is our final installment on studying the correspondence between Christian baptism and the Noahic flood. Last week I mentioned, I, I, I mentioned that you can speak of Christian baptism in terms of safety. Again, I wish you for a moment to consider as I walk through the first of two, right? And I said it last week, there are two ways. If we were to 
look at the Noahic event, and when we were looking at Christian baptism, and we pulled out of the Noahic event safety. And we said safety can apply to the Christian baptism. And then we asked ourselves, how does safety apply? I said there are two ways. One, physical, and two, spiritual. I'll simply review physical so you're with me, and then we'll move into spiritual. Why does it matter that we think of this as a hedge set about us, washed in the waters of baptism? I wish you again to feel I want that for my children. I make no bones about it. I'm here to convince. I'm here to persuade. I know I won't for all and for every, but I make, I make uh, no bones about it. I wish to persuade you. So when you think of physical safety and spiritual safety, I wish you to feel it for your offspring. As an adult who says, I am baptized, are your children. And if not, why not? And if not, for how long will they be? What is the benefit? One, as I said, physical safety. Now, again, when you think of physical safety, it's rather obvious, and it's correspondent to the flood event. We've covered this a million times. It's obvious they got in the ark. They were safe. I get it. They didn't drown. Yes. And so, as we try to say, but how does that then correspond to Christian baptism? You're right. It is a little less obvious how being baptized is a physical safety measure in your life. But I wish to urge you, just because it's less obvious doesn't make it any less real. Again, speaking of physical safety, what do I mean by saying that the rite of Christian baptism, so, so in my mind right now, I, I am a baptized man. You would expect that. I am. So I think of, uh, of how then I'm applying this to my own life, what that meant for Adam Thomas to be a baptized member of the Christian church. And for me, how am I here today as a minister here in the Christian church, and how is that related to my baptism? Because, you see, baptism is not, oh, it occurred, good, mark it off, let's move on. No, it's a theme that stays with you your entire life. You are a baptized member of the church of Jesus Christ, and that needs to mean something to you. Again, when I speak of sensible or physical safety, I'm speaking of those blessings that attend to those who participate in the church that are practical and functional benefits that attend to you. Why? Because you're here. And not over there, outside the church. You're here on Lord's Day. How is this a physical benefit to you right now? How is that? Because I'm a rightly constituted member of Jesus Christ Church, i.e., I'm baptized. I'm physically present, yes, and you're receiving physical and practical benefit to being physically present. What are they? I said there are four of them, and there's more, but I simply highlight four practical and functional benefits that belong to you physically as a baptized member of Christ Church. Again, love your baptism. And if you're not, ask myself, why am I not? What are they, Adam? Four. One, hearing the law and the gospel. You're here to hear the law, what God demands, and the corresponding gospel, what God provides. 
Lord, I'm in trouble. Gospel, provision for that trouble. I hear both words coming to me. On Lord's day, thou shalt not. Thou shalt gaze. He will provide. I find shelter. I hear law and I hear gospel audibly. You're hearing it now. And you know this. You wouldn't hear it if you were at home. Of course, you're like, that's kind of not true right now. We're live streaming. That's right. <laughs> it steals a little bit of my thunder. But still, they're kind of here in their own way. Number two, seeing the administration of the sacraments. And again, I, I, I say for your little ones, uh, who I wish were baptized and made members of Christ's church, of which belongs to them because they belong to mom and dad. But again, they see you take that bread and drink that cup and ask, what's the bread? What's the cup? Great, I'm glad you're here. Again, nourishment of the Christian church and its fellowship, for, uh, blessing number three. Blessing number four, what is, what is a practical and functional benefit to me because I'm practically and physically here at Lord's Day? Number four, the opportunity for prayers to be given and prayers to be received. You see, I speak... Um, because we belong to this larger house of evangelicalism, being reformed individuals, we belong to a larger house, right? The larger Catholic Church, of which we would be a part and parcel in Protestantism of evangelicalism. So critique is self-critique. You see, an evangelicalism often thinks of the mystical and undefined as the most meaningful part of belonging to Jesus Christ. And if you can make it to church, great. And if you can't, it's all the same. You see, but it's not the same for me or for you. And sometimes it comes across like, well, pastors always say that because they're always going to be here. <laughs> yeah, we are. But if I wasn't a minister, I also better be here. Um, because the church as an organism holds out to me things that I can't hold out to myself. I know we hear preach the gospel to yourself, and it's fine, but you can't. You need a preacher of the gospel to preach the gospel to you. How will they hear unless someone is sent, unless someone preach the gospel to them? It's not indifferent if you came or not. You realize that, that, that we are passively baptized. Uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was baptized. You even speak of that when you say, are you baptized? I was baptized. Right? You don't baptize yourself. You are baptized. You don't come to the table at home. You come to the table at the church, and you receive it from the hand of your minister. Again, it is by the means of these very practical and functional benefits that real knowledge of God and the gospel is gathered. Often within the church, we just assume we'll meet God, we'll hear of his gospel, we'll be nourished in the spirit on our own terms. 
But if we look at the prescription of scripture, God does not give himself to us in any way we might devise. He does not do that. That is false. His appointed avenues of revelation and blessing are the means of grace. It's not a thing indifferent to be baptized. It is a thing that must occur, is essential to your Christian experience, that you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But I spoke of physical safety. Let me add to that. As I said, there are two ways we speak of safety from the correspondence of the Noahic event. How were they safe and how does that correspond to Christian baptism and how are we safe by the waters of baptism? I said one, by physical. Number two, by spiritual safety. Again, this is the second way in which we speak of baptism. How am I safe through the waters of baptism? Physically, you're here a rightly constituted member of Christ's church. And secondly, spiritual safety. Notice the text with me, and this is where we'll develop this morning's text. Baptism, which corresponds to this, which we have acknowledged in multiple factors, multiple ways, now saves you. So I'm drawing a connection. There is spiritual safety connected to your baptism. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now, what, 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 what saves you? Your baptism, what, now, baptism now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Now, again, as Protestants, we may read particular texts that refer to baptismal event as washing away and providing forgiveness of sins. We may read a text such as this that clearly and boldly declares baptism saves you. And we might want to whisk away to other passages to prove that uh, justification by faith alone, uh, to, 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 to counteract the weight of how this feels a bit too Roman Catholic. Like, wait a minute, okay, this isn't a text I was ready for. How do we get around it? We don't get around it, we go through it. How do we handle this text and the question of how does my baptism save me? Again, if I could just lay it at your feet, that Peter is clearly and quite boldly declaring that spiritual safety is provided through the waters of baptism. And that this spiritual safety that is provided to you through the waters of baptism is itself salvation. Of course, to say something like that is immediately saying, so are you saying that someone washed and rinsed by the water is now justified? cleansed from their sin, have a new standing of God apart from the gift of faith. Of course, I'm not. I'm as Protestant reformed as you can be. I'm simply reading a passage that we all are reading and then asking the same question. Then if baptism does save you, the question that necessarily must be asked, what kind or type of salvation is Peter referring to? Because, again, I'm not going to sit and say, Peter, you're wrong. Of course we're not. We're under the text, not over it. So we have to read and apply the text. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. The question that we must ask is what kind or what type of saving is he referring to? Again, if I could provide a helpful answer at all, it would start with this. Number one, we must keep within the argument of the flood to which baptism corresponds. Remember, that's how we're going to work through the text. We won't jump into a statement like, baptism saves you, and then run off. We're like, okay, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Okay, yeah, sure, 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 fine, it does. But we must probe, like, like, in what way? Are there any textual indicators that help us unlock 
how it's exactly saving us? Answer, yes. Because remember, it saves us. And, and, the, and the analogy of salvation is connected to the flood events. Again, in keeping within the argument of the flood events to which baptism corresponds, Peter is saying that the waters of Christian baptism witness to the very same salvation through judgment testified to in the flood event. Let me read that for you one more time so you can hear it, and I'm going to build on it for just a few minutes. How is it that salvation is connected to my undergoing water baptism? How are they related? Again, Peter is saying that the waters of Christian baptism witness to the same salvation through judgment testified to in the flood event. Have you ever meditated on your baptism and thought of that? The witness, as that water so surely washed over you, that you meditated on the thought of salvation through judgment. One author comments, and I hope to be helpful with this, I think it'll piece together the narrative quite well. If you'll hear me state, quote, the floodwaters manifested God's judgment in the days of Noah. This is easily received by all of us, right? That's a simple simple one-to-one correspondence. If you were to ask or to state, um, what does the flood water all over the earth stand for, symbolize? What was it, an act of mercy? No. You'd be like, oh, it was an act of judgment. Right. The flood waters manifested God's judgment in the days of Noah so too is the water of baptism a visible reminder of God's judgment today. If we were to face this judgment alone, we would be destroyed. But if by faith we identify ourselves with Christ, we will pass through it safely, just as Noah's family did by identifying with him and entering the ark. You see, again, the theme connected to your Christian baptism is indeed held out to you, salvation through judgment. Christian baptism sets the church apart from the world. When I speak of the sacraments to my children, so getting them ready for Christian baptism, uh, getting them ready for the Lord's Supper, ongoing discipleship for my olders so that as they drift kind of a little further from that initial conversation they're able to still when they sit and take bread and take cup they're still connecting the distinction of what am i actually doing again what is this table that's set out for me how is this bread broken and this cup for me look how am i receiving of it Uh, i I speak of them and we've spoken just recently uh, uh, of the distinction within the sacraments I try to make sure that they are able to understand the distinction between what we call 
the sign and the things signified. That's an important part of this text, and I wish you to think on it with me just for a moment. Many of you in here might have that discussion down. You know the distinctions. There is a sign, and then there's a thing signified attached to that sign. And perhaps as you think of baptism and you think of the Lord's Supper, you're, you're keen on that and you're moving right along. If I could just slow down just for a moment, because as I speak with my own children, I move yet again to make sure that we're all thinking in these terms so that we can best receive this text at its fullest. If you were to think of an example of some distinction between a, a sign and a thing signified, think of smoke to fire. You're thinking smoke is not fire, right? But when you see that smoke over your neighbor's house, you realize, hmm, there's a fire. Sign, thing signified. They go together, one to the other. One is not the other, but one corresponds to it. I, I, I was speaking, I was teaching a class here uh, years ago now on this similar topic, and I, I pointed to that exit sign up there. I said, see, that would be sign, which that's an obvious one. You're like, yeah, it's called an exit sign. Yes, fair enough. Sign. But if you ran through that exit sign, you will not leave the building. You need to go to the thing signified, the door. Now, again, the sign is connected to the door because you see sign and you think door. Yes, sign and thing signified, but you would not run through the exit sign. This is how you think of it in Christian scripture. Sign refers to that which is outward, visible, accessible to the senses. Again, if I could clarify for you, what am I doing? You're going to need this piece of information as we move forward in 1 Peter's text. What do we think of in sign in scripture? Sign is that which refers to outward, visible, accessible to the senses. Whereas things signified is that which is spiritual, invisible. Accessible only to the vessel of faith. Now, I say all that to you, of which I'm sure you receive and have some figure of understanding with. I say that because this text is particularly one text that is perhaps the best distinction of sign and things signified in the New Testament. It's keenly sitting on the surface for us. Other ones come by way of inference and implication, and we need to do the work necessary. Looking at this text is helpful because we're thinking of it in terms of sacrament. And there's a clear distinction here between sign, Peter says, and things signified. How do we get there? Well, notice the text with me in this clear distinction. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not, now he's making a distinction, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Do you see on the surface of that text the distinction that Peter is making on the baptismal sign? Do you notice the text, how it describes that which is outward and visible? It is accessible to the senses. How so? It saves you. Maybe not how you think. Wait, 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 slow down. Not, so just so you know, baptism now saves you. And just so you know, not as a bare sign. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, of which it clearly does. Peter is describing the sign, and yet does not want you to be confused as to its effects. Peter's saying, you see, 
it's not simply the outer washing of water that saves you. But don't take the sacrament of baptism and throw it in the trash can and move on as though therefore then there is no meaning. There's no nourishment. There's bare command. Be baptized. Well, I guess I have to. No, 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 no. Th that would be wrong of us on the one hand to say it's a simple act of obedience, period. Boom. Well, there's no other reason to do it than that. And it would be wrong for us to be over here and be like, well, we have to do it in order to be saved. That, that would be wrong. Peter's right there, uh, explaining it rightly. It saves you. Don't think it irrepute or nothing or a simple fulfillment of a command. No, it saves you. Well, not simply in the surface washing of water. That's not what saves you. The sign is simply the washing away of the water or the washing away of the dirt of the body. But it's the thing signified therein that nourishes the soul. That's the question then, right, as we move towards our concluding thoughts. If Peter's quick to say, baptism which corresponds to the Noahic event saves you. And then he adds this qualifier, not as the removal of dirt from the body. Why would he speak to that? Because that's sign. That's what the sign is. That, that, that too is in the baptismal liturgy. When you take someone in, you've heard it here at Redeemer. So surely as this water washes the filth away from the body, so surely will the blood of Christ cleanse your soul from all impurities. Y yes, the sign. So surely as this water washes dirt, it does. And you say, that saves me. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Baptism indeed saves, but not simply in the bare sign of it, that removal of the dirt from the body. You're left with a question, and so am I. Then what is it about baptism that saves me? If, if it's not the bare sign, and, and, and it, for uh, some of you from Roman Catholic backgrounds, you would, you would understand this. That, that Roman doctrine would, would, would be that at point of baptism, by the doing of it, it is effectually done. So it is done. Like, I, hey, I'm taking this little one, or I'm taking this uh, convert, I'm baptizing, and at that ba act of baptism, by this doing it, it is done, effectuated. So the thing that we're talking about baptism representing, they merge together at the point of execution. So that Peter would say, baptism saves you. And they say, exactly, guys, our Protestant annoying neighbors. Have you read this? Right? So they're like, right, 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 right. And he goes, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Not as the removal of dirt from the body. Not in its bare sign it does not save you. Then what is it that does? Well, notice as he says, the thing signified does. The very next phrase not this, but that. It, it, baptism saves you, not this removal, but that as an appeal to God for a good conscience. 
You see, that is a thing signified. That, 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 that's what only the vessel of faith can possess. It's not external and simple, physical and attached to the senses, observable. The, that which is sensible about it is observable in the washing away of the dirt from the body. But the thing that the vessel of faith lays hold of, and faith alone lays hold of, is the thing signified, an appeal to God for a good conscience. You see, the thing signified, the thing mystical, attached to the sign, but not the same thing as the sign, that is, this form of baptism in its fullness is a baptism which God alone performs. You see, the reality or the essence of Christian baptism is apprehended only and exclusively through the vessel of faith. And that essence, that reality, apprehended only through the vessel of faith, is produced by the Holy Spirit. Only God, he alone, gives new life. True faith the Savior as gift and salvation, which is apprehended. Baptism illustrates this truth because we see in it that we do not baptize ourselves, but baptism is done to us. So, how does it work? Regardless of when we were baptized, regardless of when, the issue is always immediate. Does the sign given testify to the reality? of my salvation through judgment. If you're baptized, member, I know there's many here because I see many members of Redeemer. So I ask you, baptized individuals, does the sign given to you, as you look upon it right now, does it testify to the reality of your having passed into salvation through judgment? Do you believe you're redeemed? Do you believe that you've been rescued? And do you believe that vessel is the judgment that was passed through in the Lord Jesus Christ, that clothed in him you too have passed through judgment and unto salvation? that that was testified to me in the waters of baptism. 
and it testifies to its presence in my life today. Ask yourself, perhaps, also related to your Christian baptism, is this what I currently still believe? And I guess as we would conclude about baptism, we would ask ourselves, um, according to Peter, he would want each of us to ask, further, Adam, further, Christian, what difference has it made? Do you think about your baptism in connection to your growing in Christ, what we call sanctification, fruit bearing? Do you connect your birthing fruit by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit birthing his fruit in you, to put it rightly? This fruit production, even if it be so small because we are encased in so much flesh, do you think it a fruit of your baptism? Or is it baptism is contained, hermetically sealed, in an event where I, whereby I simply obey the command given me in Scripture? And I do kind of say that pejoratively. I do. I, I think it wrong, and I think it hurtfully wrong. And I don't mean that in some soft kind of psychological, you made me feel unsafe wrong. I mean it wrong as in, like, it's wrong wrong. As in, like, on principle, it is wrong to believe that about baptism. Indefensible exegetically and theologically. It's not a moment hermetically sealed. It is a living and active testament to your having brought, been brought safely through judgment, through faith in Christ, by means of remembrance in the waters of baptism. I remember that washing. Ongoingly, then, I conclude with just two thoughts. What, has, what, what difference has it made? I end our time in baptism as I'm sure we're all keen on where I'm going, where I wish to convince you to go. But I must conclude. I can't keep staying any longer. So I wish to conclude our conversation on baptism through this text with answering two ways your baptism continues its saving effect in your life. Can I do that? Just give you these two and then we're done. Your baptism, I wish to urge upon you, believers, fellow pilgrims on the way, you, me, pilgrims on the way, I wish to leave you with two thoughts of how your baptism continues its saving effect in your life. Number one, through your acknowledging that your recent sin, you know, like the stuff 10 minutes ago, and everything behind it, and everything out in front of it, that through your acknowledging that your recent sin can only be washed clean by the blood of Christ, which the water of baptism proclaims to me. That is why when we come and there's a new baptismal candidate, we call upon you to do what? Improve your baptism. Improve upon it. You're not just church witness, like, that's good for him, her. It's good for us to be baptized. What is it that through acknowledging your recent sin, believer, can only be washed clean by the blood of Christ, which the water of baptism proclaims to me? 
That is an ongoing effect of the baptismal blessing in my life, of which Peter says, yes, that's the thing signified. That's the appeal to God for a clear conscience. Secondly, the lastly, number two, the second saving effect that continues in my life because of my Christian baptism is through my ongoing battle against the sin that so easily entangles me and wounds my good conscience as one who has been cleansed. I have been cleansed. It, both by the sign, as I, as I see the sign and the promise so surely, Adam, as the water washes over the dirt away from your body, so surely will the blood of Christ wash the dirt from your soul. Lay hold of that by faith alone. Lay hold of it. And as you do, you will stumble right when you walk out that door. You, boom, fall on the ground. Yes, what should I do? Remember it. Remember it. That you've been washed. And then as one washed, when you see this ongoing thing in your life that is tarnishing and wounding your conscience before God, seek to kill it by his grace. Doing what? Remembering what he's done for me. What has he done? He's cleansed you from your sin. How can I be so sure? I know, doubting Thomas, but he's provided you a sign to remember. One that appeals to your fleshly senses. Oh, I do kind of remember that water washing over me. Yeah. You need to remember it more often. And when those sins wound your conscience and testify against you in a court, flee yet again to the source of the thing signified. that you would have a clear conscience before God as one who belongs to him. In, in conclusion, everyone, your baptism matters. Improve upon it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the church. We're all members of her. We, we thank you that we're your bride. The church is, is awkward, left-footed, gory, ignorant, rebellious as she is in this age. We all contribute to her mire and muck. We need to be reminded of he who saved her and, and, and intends to present her spotless and, and, and blameless. Without spot and without wrinkle. That, that we must be reminded of he who bought her. Thank you, Christ, for buying the church with your own blood. And that as we stumble, help us to be reminded that it is your blood, the instrument that cleanses. And that's the only instrument that cleanses. And we have baptism to remember that by. So, Lord, help us to parrot sign and things signified rightly in our lives. Help us to think through how to apply it in the life of the church to its greatest nourishment and greatest blessing in this age, the sacrament of baptism you've given to us. Bless all here. If there is one struggling with embarrassment or thought, either which way, you know mystically, please provoke them to seek what you've commanded and what you've blessed. 
and for our church with our little ones. Let us be thoughtful. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll give you just a moment.